0: I'm Stefan Sittig and welcome to American Theatre Artists Online where we talk with leading contemporary figures in American theatre. If you've been enjoying the American Theatre Artists Online podcast, please consider donating to help the artists who produce the theatre that we all love so much. The Actors Fund is providing assistance to artists during the COVID-19 pandemic to cover basic living expenses such as food, essential medications, utilities, and more. If you love and enjoy theater, please consider donating to the Actors Fund today. Just go to actorsfund.org and press donate. This is our very special season one finale episode. Thank you to all who have listened in and shared in the love of theater with me. We will be taking August off and we'll be back for season two in September. And we already have some amazing guests lined up. In the meantime, please do go back and listen to any of the 18 episodes from Season 1 that you may have missed. And if you feel so inclined, please leave us a review. You can do that either through the Apple iTunes podcast platform or directly on Podbean. We appreciate your feedback. Have a great rest of the summer and see you in September for Season 2. My guest today is Gretchen Cryer, who is most well-known for writing the book and lyrics and starring in I'm Getting My Act Together and Taking It on the Road with music by Nancy Ford, which won the Joseph Jefferson Award for Best Musical and Best Actress and received a Grammy nomination for the album. Gretchen has written numerous other shows with Nancy Ford and they were the first female composer-lyricist team to have their work produced on Broadway and off-Broadway. Cryer and Ford's new show, Still Getting My Act Together, is slated for production in 2021. Gretchen is on the Dramatist Guild Council and is present Emeritus of the Dramatist Guild Foundation. She also teaches a workshop entitled Creating Your Own Solo Performance, and she has helped dozens of solo artists develop their pieces. She will be presenting five of her solo artists at the Cherry Lane Theatre in May 2021 in a festival entitled True stories. Hi, Gretchen. Hello,
1: Stefan. Hello.
0: How are you? I'm hot. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is hot, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) It's
1: 90 degrees here in New York City, and it's going to climb to 95 degrees before the sun sets tonight.
0: Wow. Well, I hope you are inside in an air conditioning area. I just turned it on. Good. Same here. I'm nice and cool here in D.C. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Gretchen, for agreeing to to speak with us here at American Theatre Artists Online and our podcast. Our listeners, I think, will be very excited to hear from you. We have people who are very interested in theatre, who want to hear about uh, from all types of people working in the theatre, including um, playwrights and composers and um, actors as well. So tell us You know, how are you coping there in New York uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic? Are you doing okay?
1: Yes, I'm doing okay. But, you know, anybody who's in the theater is on hold right now. Um, We haven't figured out a way to reopen theaters yet. Although there is a theater upstate uh, in the, I think it's the Berkshire Theater, that is this fall going to try to, they've taken out half their seats in the theater and they're going to have solo performers, which is good because anytime you've got a a cast that has several people in it, they've got to do social distancing while acting with each other. So, but you know, people are trying to come up with ways to compensate and to, you know, there's a lot of Zoom a lot of zoom readings going on of plays and so forth but people are kind of just searching around trying to figure out how to you know how to stay inspired uh when we're when we're in limbo
0: of course yeah it's a tough time and i think that you've you've just summarized it perfectly yes people are trying hard to to find a way to be creative in this difficult time but Um, You know you've been through a lot you've been through a lot of times yourself and you've you've seen it all and you've been doing this for a while so tell us a little bit about how you you know I think most people listening probably know you best from I'm getting my act together and taking it on the road and I say that with a smile because it's a show that a lot of us who work in musical theater know about Um, it was a musical right tell us how that came about what was the story behind that show for you.
1: Okay. Um, Well, as you know, I had been working with Nancy Ford since we were 18 years old. We met at DePaul University and we started writing shows at Mm -hmm. DePaul University. And we wrote a couple of shows at DePaul and then one when both uh, she and I and our husbands moved to Boston. Then we wrote another show. Then we all moved to New York and kept writing shows. So I'm Getting My Act Together was about our Oh, God, it would be like our sixth or seventh show, if you count the three that we did in college. Mm -hmm, Um, But after our show Shelter, which was in 1973, Nancy and I were a bit discouraged because it hadn't uh, come out the way we wanted it to come out. And, um, and we thought, oh, this theater is, it's a collaborative art and there's so much that can go wrong. If just one element goes wrong, you you know, um, so we decided that we were going to do, just write songs that we called a scrapbook of our lives. And, uh, we started, writing them and they were about people we knew they were about ourselves they were about what we were going through um at the time both of us had been married early and um and both of us had gotten divorced and the whole landscape for women was changing and so a lot of our songs were about that and we were performing them in cabaret and for a long time we had been thinking about writing a show that did have to do with what had the evolution of women's thinking because nancy and i were teenagers back in the 50s when there was a very specific circumscribed way that women were were supposed to be you know the whole idea of how you were as a uh, a woman as a mother as a wife all of that was fairly Circumscribed, especially in the Midwest where both Nancy and I came from. Mm-hmm. So um, we had been trying to figure out how to write a show about that. We didn't want it to be just like kind of a, a kitchen drama or something. And sure. one night while we were performing in the cookery, doing our songs, which we called a scrapbook of our lives, suddenly in the middle of it, while we were singing, mm-hmm. I thought, oh my God, we can make the show be about a cabaret singer who's writing her new act that redefines herself. And she's uh, writing all of these songs about how her life really is now. And her manager comes and he liked the way she used to be. And I had that idea while yeah. we were singing a song. And wh- during the applause, I turned around and said to Nancy, I know how we can write this show and we're going to call it, I'm getting my act together and taking it on the road. And then I turned back around yeah. and, we, and we started our next song. Wow! And as, and as soon as we had figured out how to do it, We wrote it so fast. It was done then in nine months easily.
0: So the inspiration came to you while you were on stage performing?
1: That is exactly
0: right. yes, wow, that's a great story. And so you know it's interesting you talk about you know, and as I listen to you talk about women and the evolution of their lives, you know uh, from the 50s into the 70s and you know there that was a tumultuous time uh, as it is now. Uh, there were a lot of different things going on for women, and it was a very um, you know a, a time of a lot of growth. and um, i I think that it must have been a very interesting time to be alive and to to be putting that through that through your show to getting that into your musical
1: yes but but the interesting thing is that at the time i wasn't thinking we're going to write a show that's going to be a feminist show i was i was just writing wanting to write about a personal journey of what i had experienced having grown up in the 50s and then going through the 70s and so forth. But at the time, I hadn't belonged to a consciousness-raising group, or I wasn't thinking necessarily in feminist terms. But as soon as the show opened, Mm -hmm. it got labeled a feminist show, and suddenly it was kind of riding the crest of the feminist movement at that time. And our audiences were just incredibly passionate and we had talk backs on Wednesday nights and the talk backs were always just electric Mm. with people arguing with each other in the the, Mm -hmm. in the audience and and we would hear like if uh, there were a lot of couples of course in the Mm. audience and and I remember one night hearing a woman say don't touch me and and then and I mean and people I mean people uh, were very passionate in these talk back things oh, wow. so it just happened that show even though it was an entirely personal show on my on the my side of the fence it suddenly was labeled feminist and became something that was seen that way. You know, And in a way, and yeah, and from I that think, point on, we were yeah. kind of labeled as feminist writers. Right.
0: So it, you just wrote what you knew and what you were experiencing. And so then it became, the label came later. But it, do, it is a piece that does speak to women in a way that I have I, I mean, I experienced it even when going through college and grad school, you take a lot of musical theater classes, and you know what song kept showing up over and over was Old Friend, the song from the show. And it kept, women were love that show. They love your show, and they pick it as something that they want to perform. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the inspiration there, that you're speaking to women, for sure, and Um, I think that that alone, whether it's feminist or not, or was intended to be feminist, women appreciate the piece. And as you mentioned, men are also interested in it as well.
1: Yeah, because at that time, in the 70s, men were as confused As women were, (laughs) because they didn't know, you know, what the hell they should be doing when women were trying to redefine themselves. I mean, now do they still do they still open a door when they're with a woman? Do they open a door for her? Do they hold her coat? Do they let her go first? Through the, you know, Mm -hmm. men did not know (laughs) what was going to be expected of them. So at first, I think some men were put off by the show because it was actually making fun of uh, male chauvinism. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it took a little while for everybody to know that this was a comedy. Mm. And uh, once that got established, then people, it, you know, it was a very funny show.
0: Well, it was very successful. And I think a lot of that success, I mean, started at the public, correct?
1: Yep, it went at the public, and it was supposed to be just for six weeks, but it started selling out after about, oh, I would say two weeks. Wow. After the Wednesday night talkback started, yeah. uh, because they they started selling out first, the Wednesday nights. Sure. And then it started selling out, so Joe, Pap, kept uh, extending it and he extended us for six more weeks six more weeks he extended it I think six times and then decided to move it to the Circle and the Square downtown on Bleecker Street that that theater doesn't exist anymore right. but it, it, so it was still the size of an off-Broadway theater because the show is a pretty intimate show mm-hmm. although when it went on and then it ran there for three years at the, the Circle and the Square downtown yeah. but the show was done a lot of other places in the country in bigger theaters. In in Chicago, it was at the Drury Lane, mm. and that was almost that was about seating nine hundred. And in L.A., it was in a thousand seat uh, theater. So mm. it it did work in larger theaters, mm-hmm. but it found its roots in a little you know in an off Broadway setting.
0: And it ended up running in New York for several years, three years, four years in New York? Three years. Three years, yes. Yeah. And it was, um, you You were playing the role of Heather, right? The lead role. Right. And um, not only did you appear in it, but then over time, other people appeared in the lead role as well, correct?
1: Oh, lots of them, yeah. Because it, it, when I'm, after I finished, I only performed for one of the three years in new york and and then i think i went to i can't remember if chicago was the second destination or la Mm. i can't remember which one went first but when i left the show then somebody else virginia vestoff replaced me Mm. in in new york um and then in chicago um I think Donna McKechnie hmm. replaced me there, and Betty Aberlin, and did uh, Betty
0: Buckley at one point play? Yeah, oh, Betty too? Buckley replaced me in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. and Phyllis Newman, I believe. I'm just mentioning the Newman. ones I remember. Yes. Yeah, wonderful. So you've given an opportunity to a lot of a lot of women have had a chance to play the role.
1: Oh yes, over the years. oh yes, and it's a great role, right? You know, exactly. It's-
0: yes and it gives people a lot of opportunity. And I know that it was also a, a West End production, correct? And also um, in London, right? Yeah,
1: yes. I didn't like that one you because, <laughs> the, well, the person that they cast in the role of Heather was a wonderful singer. But she was totally, totally, totally wrong for the part. Mm. She was like a baby doll, cupie doll, oh. which is not what that role. is about it's the role is exactly opposite to yeah. that. Oh. And so it was very weird. I mean, she had a wonderful voice. Sure. I think her name was, her name was Diane Langton. Mm. You know, a glorious voice, but just totally. Wrong.
0: That's and totally it's funny, true. once you create something, you know, it stops being yours, right? It's the public's. It suddenly yeah. becomes <laughs> and when it's successful, right? Uh and that's the one of the marks of success that you sort of have to just let it evolve. And I know that they did uh Encores many years later. Oh, oh so that Center. was just yeah, that was just uh maybe what, four or five. Two thousand thirteen, yes. Yeah,
1: at Elise Goldsbury.
0: Um Renee Elise Goldsberry. yes, which yeah, everyone right, knows er- from er- Hamilton.
1: And she was wonderful. Yes. Oh
0: my god! Oh, that's great. And it was directed by Kathleen Marshall, correct?
1: Yes. So yes. see, you've
0: got you've. I mean, this show really has legs, Gretchen. And I think it's one of those things that those shows that really can can keep going really um, forever because every new generation and every new woman uh, can give it a new feel.
1: Yeah. Well, it's very interesting because we wrote a sequel to it. We had been meaning to write a sequel for. Ten or twenty years, and just hadn't done it. And then we decided we better do it. Same characters, thirty mm-hmm. years later.
0: Oh, that's interesting. And what is the sequel called?
1: Still getting my act together. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and we did our first. It first saw the light of day about I think maybe seven or eight years ago at the York Theater, and it was. But it was a completely at that point. It was a full-length, two-hour show that had sung dialogue. Now, I'm Getting My Act Together did not have sung dialogue. All the songs in I'm Getting My Act Together were songs in Heather's act. Okay. So, you know, there was no Mm -hmm. Rodgers and Hammerstein sung dialogue. Right, nothing
0: with the plot. uh, The plot was told through dialogue. Mm
1: -hmm. Nancy and I thought, well, let's... In the sequel, let's uh, let's try a different thing stylistically. So we wrote a show that had sung dialogue in it. Hmm. And we did it at the York. And uh, everybody, and oh, in the afternoon at the York, they were performing I'm Getting My Act Together. And then in the evening, they were doing the sequel. Oh, wow. And, and people who came and saw both of them said, you've got to put these two together. Interesting. Okay, so we went back to the drawing board, and and we decided we had to make them stylistically match. Mm. And so we took out all the sung dialogue, and we made the sequel follow the format, stylistic format, of the old show. Okay, Mm -hmm. then we had a chance at Laguna, I think in 2015, to do that hybrid version with the old show as Act One the sequel as act two Mm. and we did that and then we decided (laughs) Uh. it's just too hard you have a a young cast for the 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 act one Mm -hmm. with a young heather sure and then i played the older heather in the second act and the young heather in the first act played my daughter but all the rest of the actors had to age up as they say, which meant that we had a lot of people who were having to put on gray wigs and do stuff like that. So when we got home from that experiment, we decided, no, let's go back and make still getting my ad together. It's own show. It'll it'll still have the same format as the first show. Um, And that's where we are right now. And we're hoping to get that on now. I mean, it's totally written Mm -hmm. and, um, we're hoping once this pandemic is gone mm-hmm. that we can get it on.
0: So the plan is to do the, the sequel, hopefully, um, when all this is over and to really to make it happen. Is this something you want to do off-Broadway again like the original or is it something that you're hoping for a bigger audience?
1: No, no I don't think. I think we have to start small. Yeah. But uh, actually, you know, because this show is about... Being an older woman and what you're having to deal with as an older woman. The the first mm-hmm. show was redefining yourself from all the expectations of when in the fifties and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, now this is this is dealing with trying to get rid of the expectations of what it is to be an older woman and the fact that we often collude with the ideas about what it is to be an older woman and so it's about breaking the mold Hmm. having to being an older woman this time so it's about redefining yourself also the two are related thematically Mm -hmm. and you know we're thinking that a great place to start it would be down in florida where there are a lot of older people (laughs) sure yes who still have a lot of juice. I mean, it's yeah. about older people who still right. have a lot to contribute. Oh, absolutely. And- and don't want to be shut away,
0: no. you know. Well, yeah, and I, uh, I, I hear you because, you know, my parents are of that age now, the retired age, and they are not in Florida. They're near me. But there is that I see my mom and she's painting and my dad is still very active. You know, life goes on past retirement. And I think a lot of people and many people don't retire at all. So it's such a youth obsessed culture or has been. And it's so nice to see now that older people, people over the age of retirement are getting they're due and are getting some more uh, attention because it's been a while. Um, yeah. So. In
1: this, in this show, um, Heather, this the same character has gotten the group back together uh Mm -hmm. 30 years later because they they did go out on tour three years ago and they did their thing the way they wanted to do it and it had a little cult following but it didn't make money so they all went their separate ways and they've all been off on different life tracks and now 30 years later heather Mm -hmm. wants to get everybody back together uh and and everybody is at a stage in life where they are ready for a new chapter. And so they do get back together and, um, and they're wanting to put their act together and go out on the road again. Well, the manager, Joe, shows up out of the blue, mm. she, she had fired him 30 years ago, <laughs> and he shows up, because now he's a very big deal mm. talent uh, manager, and he shows up at her rehearsal, because he saw a little tiny ad for her concert, and decided to come in for old times' sake, and he sits in on it, and starts, you know, giving his advice, and once again, I mean, and she says, you know, that she's wanting to Go out on the road again, and he's saying, "Look, you know, if you were forty years younger, you know." And she, she has this idea about that she'd like to do her act and include her daughter and her granddaughter, mm-hmm. who's only fifteen, in mm-hmm. order to cover all the generations. Yeah. And and Joe gets the idea. Oh well, the real pay dirt is with the fifteen-year-old.
0: Oh, I see. Yeah, that's interesting. So the, by doing that, you can really address all the the ageism, all the generational, the, the three generations. I always find any story with three generations of women super fascinating. It's always interesting to me to see the, the, the currents through all that. Mm-hmm. I really like that. So talking about being a woman and being a composer, lyricist or team, you and Nancy Ford that worked together back then, you were really the first uh, female composer, lyricist team. Uh, to work on Broadway and off Broadway, correct? That was that had a, a amount of success. Um,
1: yeah, that's right. Our broad, we were, we were the first on Broadway, but our Broadway show, Shelter. Only lasted one month on Broadway. Well, hey. So that was the merest...
0: <laughs> right, well, that's, that's 29 days more than some shows. So, hey. Yeah. Um, what and, and off-Broadway as well. So what was it like? I mean, I you've already mentioned that, you know, you didn't set out to do anything particularly feminist. It was just you were living your life, and it, it, it was feminist by just being... Uh, being you and and living your life and doing what you wanted to do but what do you think now about the, the 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 progress has there been progress since then uh since you guys were sort of the pioneers out there on the on the broadway and off-broadway stage in terms of composer lyricist and being the creators not just being in it
1: yeah well there definitely has been progress um i don't know what there are a couple of Teams. Well, uh, Fun Home was written by Lisa Crone
0: mm-hmm. and I just um, know Jan- Janine. Was it Janine Tosori? Janine, Janine
1: yeah. Tosori. Yeah.
0: Janine Tosori. And Cindy Lauper. I remember she didn't she win a Tony recently. I forget the year. I, I don't know. I'm not good wow. with all the years. Cindy Lauper for Pinky Boots. Yeah, but yes, yes, yeah. she did. Yeah. So um, there have been a few.
1: There have been a few, and uh, the interesting thing is that way back. Um, the council of the Dramatist Guild was made up. Well, first of all, you had to have had a show on Broadway mm-hmm. if you be on the council. And I was asked to join the council in 1973 after we had had our one-month run of shelter on Broadway. I, w- I was able to be a token woman. Mm-hmm. And I walked into the council meeting, and I was 35 white men and two other women. And the two other women were Lillian Hellman and uh, Ruth Getz. Mm. And for a very long time, there were only three women, and we were all white, and all the guys were white. Now, today, and this has been 47 years later, Mm. now the council is very diverse and, uh, and probably almost half women, but uh, we are—we have, you know, uh, black artists. We have Asian artists. I don't think we have an indigenous artist yet, mm-hmm. but I'm sure we will. But anyway, just sitting in on the council obviously it's clear that things have changed a lot but it took 47
0: years right yeah a long time that's a lifetime for you know and and so you when your work on the dramatist guild you know you're president emeritus right of the dramatist guild foundation um and you you do you still work with them are you still oh
1: yeah okay Mm -hmm. so um there are two different entities here it's the dramatist guild and then the dramatist guild foundation the foundation is the uh uh, public charity arm ah, of okay. the Dropbox Guild. And that is what I was president of, uh, you know, for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm still on the board there. And we're still, you know, we actually, we one of the things that we do is give out emergency grants to writers. And mm-hmm. during this COVID pandemic, mm-hmm. oh my God, we have, you know, everybody's wiped out sure. in the theater. Well, and course. all of their commissions all of their potential productions uh, you know everybody was just uh, de- decimated financially mm-hmm. and so we were receiving 5 ten uh, requests every every couple of days and we've given away over, Six hundred thousand dollars in emergency grants to wow. people's
0: wow, that's bar. that's good. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's a really difficult time, and um, I, I you know, I know that on our, our podcast we ask that listeners donate to the Actors Fund as well um, yep. to help actors with, you know, basic needs. Uh, it's really a devastating time for um, those in the theater everywhere, not just in New York, but across the country and the world. Um, but you know, hopefully we will, we will come back soon. That's my hope. And it sounds like you've got, um, your sequel in the works, the still getting my act together, uh, planned for soon. So you said you were thinking of maybe doing that in Florida as a start. Once things are are settled down.
1: Yeah. We're looking for a a theater in Florida because we think that would be a great place to start it, you know, get it on its feet and then we see what happens to it.
0: Well, clearly your work resonates. Clearly, the first time around, um, the reason it was so successful is people. You really—it was people. It was driven by audiences, and I'm assuming word of mouth. That's how these things get yeah. going, and that's key. If you have that, then you're all set, because uh, then you can get around and and keep growing um, the production. So. That's wonderful. Now, I know that one of the things that you are shifting towards now that, um, that and, and I, it's not just now, I think there's something you were doing before always too, but um, you may be looking at doing it um, more now, which is your uh, workshop, Creating Your Own Solo Performance. Um, okay. This is something that you do. Tell us a little bit more about that and what what is that like and who is it for?
1: Okay. Uh, this came about because I was asked uh, to come to Colorado College and, and teach for one of their blocks and and the president knew that I had written, I'm getting my act together and taking it on the road. And mm-hmm. so he suggested that I should create a course in creating your own solo performance. Well, that was funny because actually I'm getting my act together was not a solo show. It had a, you know, a rock band on stage and two uh, backup singers and mm-hmm. the character of the manager and so forth. But people had the, they thought, <laughs> But it was a solo show. Yes. Anyway, so I did that. I created a whole workshop to help people be able to create their own solo performances. The thing is that everybody's got stories. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of the people that I work with are not have not thought of themselves as writers before. They have not been actors before. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked with, um, oh my gosh, I've I worked with... Oh, a farmer from Utah. I've worked with a computer guy. I've worked with a woman who's a doula. I've worked with a nurse at Sloan Kettering. A lot of people from very different backgrounds. But then I also do have theater people Mm -hmm. who are wanting to create their own pieces. And actually, you know, right now is a good time to do that because when theaters do open back up, I think they're going to be looking for a lot of solo pieces because they won't have the problem of social distancing on the stage. Right. And, and economically, needless to say, it's a lot less expensive to... Um,
0: to, to do a, a
1: solo show
0: yeah. well yeah and imagine you know who wants to to do a show with a cast of 20-30 people when you know the risks are so much higher if you can do it with a, a one person show or a solo performance now let me ask you a question about these solo performances uh, classes that you're teaching are Are they specifically for musicals, or can it be a no. play so it doesn't have to be a musical
1: no everybody comes and they will use their own set of talents, whatever mm-hmm. they may be. I've had a person who created a piece on rollerblades. I've had guitarists. I've mm-hmm. had middle players. I've had uh, dancers. Mm-hmm. So it, you bring your own talent to the table, and everybody is telling his or her story in a different in a different mode. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I get people's. Uh, I'm able to help people find what their story is because they come in and, you know, we all have a dozen or two dozen or more hundreds of stories that we could tell. And uh, you need to hook into a story that has an urgency, something that you want To share with people you know and I help people find that and then we find we work on a lot of different techniques of how to do the storytelling and we write episodically so they're writing little 10 minute segments Mm -hmm. in the in the workshop and then we put stuff together after they sort of discover where their story is going.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. So do you, is there, a, you've mentioned a bit about it, but how, what kind of process, so do you, how do you pull out these stories from them? Do you, do you do, um, sort of brainstorming I, or? No,
1: no, I give very specific exercises. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll tell you one of the first exercises. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, okay. It's pick a moment from your childhood, uh, and Thing up to age 10 or 12 a moment that is completely vivid to you that you can remember every detail about it and then you're going to put yourself there and you're going to do a first person narrative in the present tense and then i tell people what that is i say for example if i were going to do a one i would put myself there and It would sound like this i'm five years old i'm in i'm sitting in the back seat of the car dad's driving really fast dad and mom are having a fight i hear louise louise i don't know what you want they're both smoking i have to roll down the window and stick my nose up to because the smoke is so thick now that's an example. You wow. put yourself right there as yeah. a five-year-old, wow. and you write it exactly just what the five-year-old is sensing. Okay, so that's that's the first exercise. They write mm-hmm. for ten minutes, and then we read out in class, and um, it's just amazing.
0: Wow, you have me uh, riveted there, Gretchen, with just those few lines that you were doing, that you the, 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 the imagery you, invo- you invoked. I was like. As an audience member, completely engulfed in what you what the story was, I wanted to know what the next, you know, the next mm-hmm. scene was. So that's amazing how you can do that um, with people's personal, you know, with their memories. Mm-hmm. Wow! And and so then from that you develop into a larger piece. Well, I have so many exercises. Right, uh, you just keep doing okay. different exercises to get them to to develop yeah, the piece into because- now. Or do these tend to be so they're one person? Shows a solo performance. Do they tend to be? Do they vary in length according to the person's memories, or how does? Or how do you then go to shape it once they have the material? How do you? Do you give them some guidance in sort of what works, what doesn't work in terms of shaping or not shaping the piece?
1: Mm -hmm. Usually, a solo piece will be between sixty and seventy-five minutes long. Wow! Because. There's only one person up there, and mm. you you know, in order to sustain. Now, if you're Billy Crystal or if you're uh, Whoopi Goldberg, you can go on Broadway and do two hours worth. But <laughs> yeah. but normally yeah. the shows run about 75 minutes. Mm. And um, but some people you can do an evening of smaller pieces, like Eric Bogosian. Mm. when he doing his things there were uh, he would do maybe six or seven characters Mm. a night and each one is doing a monologue and he put them all together in one evening but it wasn't it wasn't a linear story so Mm. you can do that too if you want to write if you don't want to write just Mm. you know one linear story you can if you want to um create a bunch of vignettes, you know a half a dozen vignettes yeah. that will make
0: a full evening for a play. So you must have students of all types and ages and and, and, and also experiences. So do you have uh, do you have playwrights in your class as uh, aspiring playwrights as well as actors, correct? I do
1: have some mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah I'll, I do or but it's interesting that. because all different kinds of people do this uh, not just know. theater people not just theater people right and so oh, well, so
0: i was gonna ask who can take this course so if someone's interested first of all i'm fascinated by what you're what you're describing this sounds like a wonderful uh course if someone's interested in taking it how do they do they contact you do they go to your website do they or is it through a school or how do you how do you um, oh, offer this
1: well uh, right now mm-hmm. i haven't You know, because normally my workshop is done with a group of people Mm -hmm. and I do it right here in my apartment because I happen to have a lovely apartment that is big enough to have a piano in the room and stuff like that. Um, And and so normally up until the pandemic, it was always in person and the groups would vary from between five and ten people. Mm. Uh, And so everybody could really... Uh, I mean, I don't do big classes. Oh, I've done master classes actually at the Cherry Lane. I have done master classes where maybe there are 30 people and all they want is, you know, an hour's worth or about it. And I usually give them some exercises. Mm-hmm. But now I haven't figured out how to do it on Zoom yet. Right. I haven't done that. I have been just working with people one on one and they are all people who have taken my workshop before and they are in the later stages of mm-hmm. their work. Oh, so we're, we're just refining things and sure. so forth.
0: Well, I'm sure you'll find a way to, to move it to Zoom if you want, if that's something you do. But I know that you are busy. You just mentioned Cherry Lane Theater. I know that you are busy right now on another project. You are a busy lady. <laughs> and I, I'm getting tired of reading all the things that you're doing, which I think is great. Um, the um true stories which is uh what is true stories and this is something you're presenting at at cherry lane theater uh potentially next year could you talk to us a bit more about uh true stories
1: yep it's going to be in may this next year it was supposed to be in may this year and it got canceled because of the virus oh
0: wait let let me hold on for one second there gretchen i've got a special caller a special guest who wants to join our conversation since you're starting to talk about true stories. Hold on one second. I think he's joining in now, and hello? Let's see if we can connect him. Hello? Hello. Hello, John Cryer, how are you? I'm well, how are you? I'm doing great. We're talking here with your mom, Gretchen, Cryer, and we have had a wonderful um, conversation on a whole bunch of different things, but we were just about talk, starting to talk about true stories. Oh, fantastic. Which I know you're working on. For those for those listening in, uh, we just uh, have John Cryer, who's joined us, two-time Emmy Award winner. You'll know him from Two and a Half Men, NCIS, and I know him, anyone of my generation will know him from... Pretty in pink as Ducky, uh, but aside from all that, that's not why he's here. He's here uh, to talk about the work that he's doing with his mom, Gretchen Crier, um, on something called True Stories. Tell us about that.
1: Uh, well, I can first. I'll just tell you what True Stories is, and then Johnny can chime in. Sounds uh, good. True Stories is going to be a collection of five solo performances, all of which are true. These are all people that I have worked with. Um, Some of them have been developing their stories for two or three or four years. And Mm -hmm. so these are the cream of the crop that I wanted to present um, at the Cherry Lane. And as I said, we were supposed to do it this last May and then we got canceled, but we have um, rebooked the Cherry Lane Mm -hmm. for next May. And we have these five wonderful solo performances, and one of them is Johnny, ah, my son.
0: I see. And did they go through a similar process that you were describing before John joined on um, about the, the solo performance workshop that you do?
1: Four of them did. Okay. Four of them took my workshop. Johnny did not because he had already written a memoir, and what we're doing is calling... Certain parts of his memoir and creating a show out of that.
0: Wow! So, John, tell us about your experience. What's it like working on a theater piece with your mom? <laughs> um,
2: it, it, it's great. You do you have you start with a certain baseline uh, of information uh, that you
0: share uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't sure. need to be directly. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, what's been
2: interesting for us is is because it's a memoir, um, it does actually. Give you an excuse to discuss a lot of things that you hadn't, you know, uh, uh, gotten into. Uh, uh, part of it it goes back to one of the very first jobs I ever had as an actor, and I got fired from it. And I and I was trying to uh, remember, uh, you know, all of the the various, uh, uh, you know, because I, I remember I remember crying a lot.
0: I remember <laughs> that. that uh, sure. A fair
2: amount of crying. Uh, but there was also, you know, uh, I, I was trying to remember what everybody said to me and if any of it was incredibly uh, inspiring or whatever. But, but my point being that, that uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's rare that you get a chance to work with a, with a parent who's also a, a, a fantastic teacher. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to use the experience for, for all that I can. Um, but yeah but it's a little different than her normal process for how she works with people i mean usually uh, you know I, i'm sure you guys have talked about this a bit but usually she's it, it's a you know it's sort of a mining exposition expedition where she's trying to find you know uh, a story that they can really bring you know bring a lot of theatrical uh, energy to sure uh and in my case it's actually a matter of winnowing down you <laughs> know it's <laughs> like
0: whoa yeah
2: if we can calm this guy down for an
0: hour (laughs) (laughs) well and you have the shared experience uh between the two of you so you don't have to do so much mining maybe and it's just more about finding the right the right piece
1: well when when johnny did the audio version of his memoirs how long was the audio version johnny
2: the the audio version was nine hours nine and a half
0: hours (laughs) oh wow
1: See,
2: that yeah. was too long for
0: a solo show. <laughs> just a little. Well, just a little. Oh, you
2: know, let's let's not be let's be ambitious. Uh, <laughs> we can do sort of the, the <laughs> angels in America of one man
0: show <laughs> I was gonna say part one, part two. So <laughs> yeah. that's great. So John, how you know, I was gonna ask you this, you know, and I, I know I have my own relationship with my mother and, and we're all similar in, in generations uh in age. Um what how has your mom inspired you in your career? Oh, well, uh, uh, mom has, uh, you know,
2: an incredible um, uh, attitude, uh, uh, you know, which, uh, you know, it sounds very uh, uh, incredibly sort of simplistic, but, uh, and I don't know if it's from that she grew up in the Midwest, you know, where they were sort of relentlessly sunny or what it, whatever it is, but uh, it, just an incredible um, uh, means of, of brushing off obstacles. Mm. Uh, you know, be, being a female playwright, um, mm. was not the easiest life for my mom. Then she was a single mom, mm. you know, female playwright in New York City, a uh, composer and lyricist, um, at a time when, you know, she she and Nancy Ford were the first, uh, uh, uh composing lyricists came on Broadway that were both female, yeah, um. And that's astonishing, you know, Um, uh, you know, it's, it's, you kind of think, wait, that kid is (laughs) seriously, you know? Um,
0: And that drive comes uh, through, by the way, just talking to your mom in the last uh, 40 minutes, the, the, the drive is there and it's amazing to talk to her. And I'm inspired by her too, just in the 40 minutes I've, I've been talking to her. uh,
2: But yeah, but it's, you know, and, and, but it was interesting. It wasn't like a sort of, uh, um, uh, I mean, she's not, you know, Wolverine. Uh, she's <laughs> a superhero. She's just a a, 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 a. She's just a person who, uh, you know, when
0: when there's a setback, she just goes okay, and she finds another way. You know, right? Uh,
2: uh, and uh, you know, it's it's it, uh, it, it's incredibly inspiring in that respect. You know, she is. I mean, I don't have to tell you this, and and mom, you could you can you can mute it for a little while. Uh, <laughs> Uh, 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 you know, just because you know she's very beloved in the in the, community, in the theater community, yes. and uh, uh, you know, very uh, you know respected. She she has a, a remarkable balance of being both beloved and, and respected, mm. um, which not everybody uh, uh, has.
0: No, yes, and you're getting a chance now to work together. On this project, true story. So, did you winnow it down from the nine hours, John? What? How much is it now? How
2: long yes, is it- right now it's it's looking like it's an hour ten. Oh, that sounds perfect. Uh, <laughs> uh, which is doable. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm a little scared of being on stage by myself for an hour and ten minutes. Um, I I I can't imagine. There's an enormous market for people who want to see
0: me alone on stage for an hour and oh end. i don't know i think you'd be surprised i think yes. that, that people you know you know as, as it always is you know we're both of you probably know this that once you are on television you get so many more eyeballs and pe- so many more people see you and so then you're you're you become a lot more you know your work is is, is broadcast more broadly so i think there's a great audience for not just you, but also the work that your mom has done and, and these theater stories sound, um, the true stories that you guys are going to be telling, I think will be really interesting. It'll be at the Cherry Lane Theater next year, correct? In May, yes. Oh, in yes. May. Well, God, let's, you know, fingers crossed, and I want all that to happen. We're all waiting for for um, new pieces and new work to oh. come out in the theater. We're going to need it, right, Gretchen, when this is um, all over? Oh, yes. Yes. It's
1: the home challenge is going to be um just getting stuff on because there's probably going to be a big you know backlog of work that's just wanting to happen out there yeah. so that when finally the theater's open again um you know it may be a little tough to get things on but we already have the cherry lane booked so we got our foot in the door there <laughs> sure yeah
0: and all this work that you're both doing um, is really instrumental because you're helping others too to tell their stories you're helping others to get this material out and we do need new stories and we need um that creativity to, to come forward as audiences too we were desperate for. well it. yeah it, it's a remarkable
2: art form i mean solo performance and, and that is one thing that that uh, it's interesting because mom is is becoming known for that but uh, but you know uh, i'm getting my act together and taking it on the road which was you know, uh, probably her most famous piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, people remember as a solo show, but it wasn't a solo show. Yeah, we <laughs> lady, talked wasn't? about that
0: earlier. Yes, absolutely. Uh, okay, no, okay, no, but so, it's good. It's good that you brought it up. Yeah, but it's fascinating. And, and uh, but the, the
2: the the great thing about watching some of the the other uh, pieces that Mom has has worked on uh, for this are they really show you that the the uh, the solo performance. Is just this incredibly limitless genre, and actually, I'm very hopeful that that even if we can't get uh, audiences into theaters soon, that that solo performance could be a great
0: way uh, that uh, you know a great mode of performance online. Oh uh, yes,
2: you know it's it's uh, I I um, uh, I know that there was that recent buyer and seller that was done online, and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know hey I Yes, it's the, it's Fleabag. a of, Yeah, it's flea bag as right. well. So It started
0: as a theater piece, right? And then went to to okay. to a series. Yeah, no. I mean, I think there's a great you're absolutely right on the money there, John. I think that that's the future and your mom was saying earlier that even if even live, it's good to start with a one-person show. Who wants to start with a 30-person musical um, with everything that's going on, you know, it's much safer to have a one actor. And then you can separate the audience. You can divide up the audience and keep them safe. That's easier for, for theaters to do than if you have 24 actors on stage or 30 actors. That's really hard. Dancing and singing, for example, that's really hard to do. Yeah.
2: yeah. So, you know, that, that that is what, you know, art adapts. It will always, it's, you know, it's it's so human and it, it just finds a way. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, I'm, I, you know that was another thing you know that, that uh, impressed me about my mom it was like she just sort of took this in stride you know and she said okay well we're not going on this may we're going on next may yes <laughs> you know?
0: absolutely nothing nothing can can stop you gretchen and i think that's great and and john you're the same i i'm sensing as well so you know i really appreciate both of your being on um american theater artists online to talk about your life, your experiences, and this work that you're doing now that's in the present moment, the true stories at Cherry Lane Theater in May of next year. Thank you both for being on this podcast. Thank you so much. Oh,
2: thank you. The pleasure was thank mine. You. I yes, thanks, thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you.